If you're an author or plan to be one, get excited because this podcast is for you. Book Marketing Mentors is the only podcast dedicated to helping you successfully market and sell your book. If you're ready for empowering conversations with successful marketing mavens, then grab a coffee or tea and listen in to your host, international best-selling author, Susan Friedman. Welcome to Book Marketing Mentors, the weekly podcast where you learn proven strategies, tools, ideas, and tips from the masters. Every week, I introduce you to a marketing master who will share their expertise to help you market and sell more books. Today, my special guest is a marketing strategist and dream business maker. Sonia Thompson spent more than 10 years living the corporate life, helping grow million and billion dollar healthcare brands around the world. Now as a marketing strategist and consultant, she helps business owners get the customers they want and keep them coming back for more. She's the author of the book, Delight Inside, host of a top-rated business podcast, I'm the One, the Entrepreneur Edition, and a columnist at Inc. Sonia, what an honor to welcome you to the show, and thank you for being this week's guest expert and mentor. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Sonia, you help clients build dream businesses. And I know I that <laughs> I know mm-hmm. that many of our listeners struggle with the thought of building a business around their book. What recommendations could you offer them? I think really it would be to think about your book and what the objective of your book is, what is a specific problem that you solve for the readers. And then you can build a business by solving that particular problem that you talked about in your book, probably just on a grander scale. Because if there's a market for the people who are reading your book, then there is a market for you to build a scalable business around those same principles that you are clearly an expert on because you knew enough about it to write a book about it. (laughs) What might be the simplest action our listeners could take? A great way to get started if they don't already have a business is to begin with coaching. And I say that because coaching is one of those revenue streams that you can start building because you already have the knowledge. There's no upfront cost really or very little if any cost to maintain it. So you could start by talking to people within your existing network. That can be your personal network, your professional network, go to networking events or other events, maybe conferences or things like that where people are interested in the specific topic that you cover with your book. And then as you start to talk more to people and learn more about them, what it is that they do, you'll understand more about how they describe their problem. And then as you build that relationship and rapport with them, you can let them know that you offer coaching services specifically to help them with that particular issue. And then all of a sudden, you'll have a coaching practice. That's how you launch it. (laughs) Yes, because I know that you recently wrote an article about getting your first clients. Talk to us more about that. 
Sure. So a lot of people, they recognize that coaching is a great way to get started building their business, whether a coaching practice is something that they want to be their primary revenue stream, their primary business, or if it's a bridge income while they're working on building something else. There's a lot of benefits to working with people one-on-one. And even when you get to a certain level, working with people in group programs, because you're able to hear firsthand directly from the people who you're serving, directly from the people whose problems you're having, and you're able to work with them to help them achieve a very specific transformation that is burning for them. It's a burning pain or struggle that they've tried to deal with, quite frankly, for a period of time and haven't, for whatever reason, been as successful as they would like. So you, as an expert, because you've been able to write a book about it or you're writing a book about it, you can help them create that transformation. And you can do that with a coaching practice. And if you want to transition to doing something else later on, you then got the benefit of all those insights from working with people one-on-one, understanding what their objections are, understanding where it is it gets stuck. And then you can turn that later on into information products, digital products, consulting at larger companies, different things like that. I really like that because it does extend the book. So many authors think it's just about selling the book. And I work with them on getting them to see that coaching, speaking, and as you say, creating products are going to help them in terms of making more of an income than just selling books in the onesies and twosies. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I've heard this said from a lot of people, a book is really just, you can use it and leverage it as a business development tool. So I recently interviewed um, a woman, her name is Dory Clark. She was talking about how her speaking career exploded once she had her first book published. It's all like all of a sudden people see you as having a lot more credibility and it's kind of your calling card. So if you're talking to someone about a particular issue, let's say you're at a networking event or a conference and they're, they're talking about how they've struggled with a particular topic for a little while. It's one thing to say, Oh, I can help you with that. Or it's another thing to say completely different to say, Oh, I just wrote a book on that very topic. You're instantly positioning yourself as a credible expert who they know they should be able to trust because one, they can see that you've invested the amount of time in your book, but two, you had the depth on the topic to be able to organize your thoughts in such a way. And then they don't have to go looking and searching and checking all your other credentials so much in depth because you've already done the work and packaged it nicely. That brings up a point that many authors talk to me about feeling maybe like a fraud or an imposter to even go out and market themselves or their book and call themselves an expert. If they Mm -hmm. came to you with that issue, what advice would you give them? I would say, well, first, maybe the label sometimes does get people hung up. Like you don't have to call yourself an expert. The fact that you wrote a book positions you as one without you having to call yourself that. And I think that's the terminology sometimes gets people a little, makes people a little bit uncomfortable. But second, I would want them to know that feeling like a fraud or an imposter is not something that's uncommon, especially among people who do creative work. 70% of high achievers have 
some form or have experienced imposter syndrome in some way, shape, or form. But the difference between the people whose names you know versus the people whose names you don't is that the people who are able to be successful in spite of having those feelings, feeling like you're a fraud, is that they kept doing the work. They kept showing up. So when it comes time for you and you're feeling a little anxiety, but like, who am I to be talking about training these people on this particular topic? Who am I to think that I can help these people no matter what level of expertise or success they've had? Just know that the way to shut down those voices is to take action. And the way to shut those voices is to continue writing and to continue talking about what it is that you do and the transformation that you create for people and know that the more you do it, the more those voices will be shut down. I like Elizabeth Gilbert. She uh, is the one who wrote the book, Eat, Pray, Love, the hit that turned into a movie. And she's had all these other great books after that. But she talked about how much she's felt like an imposter and it prevented her from releasing her second book, the follow-up to Eat, Pray, Love. And that book ended up bombing. But she talked about, that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because this is my job. This is my purpose. I'm supposed to be writing. And it's a really great lesson that as you're going about doing your work, promoting your book, publishing your book, talking about your book, the work that you do and the work that the people that you're trying to serve, that is the mission why you're trying to do it. And that's what helps you dig in a little deeper to work on your craft and put it out there. It's not about the expectation of achieving whatever fame or fortune or accolades from all these other people. Those things can be nice, but those aren't the reasons why you do what you do or drive you. And if you think about the people that you're serving and how specifically you're trying to help them, then it helps you deflect your energy away from feeling inadequate because you've got a much more focused energy in terms of I'm going to help X, Y number of people as I go about putting my work out there in the world. So that's also a great segue into how to stand out in a crowded marketplace. I know that you've written about that. Can you share some of your tips on that for us, please? Sure. My method of choice for standing out is through content marketing, also known as attraction marketing. And it's really around the same premise of serving your audience, serving the people who can most benefit from your products, your services, and your expertise in a particular area. So if you were going to publish different types of content, and you'll see people all over the place doing this. Gary Vaynerchuk does it. Netflix does it. Amazon is doing it. They're all these big companies, small companies, solopreneurs, authors. Everyone does this in some way, shape, or form because the marketplace is getting more and more crowded and you're not just competing among people who do similar things that you're doing. You're competing for the attention of your audience among everything else that's going on buying for their attention. So when it comes time to find ways to get them to know that you are somebody who can help them, you've got a, a great way to do that is by presenting some type of content that can be blogging. Since you're a writer, that's a great way to do that. Increasingly, you can use other types of mediums, such as audio, like a podcast, like we're on today. 
You can use video. You can use a combination of all these different things. You can use a lot of different visuals because people are starting to learn in different ways. So if you are there consistently sharing valuable information or even entertaining along the way to your audience and showing up over time consistently adding value to their lives, that's a great way to stand out because some people, they'll do it, they'll make attempts, but they, a lot of them don't continue over the long term. So if you keep doing it, eventually you will start to gain traction, momentum. You'll build up that much needed platform that you need to be able to sell your books and to have people interested in maybe even your services after the fact. But content is a great way to do it. It's interesting that you say that they start it and give up because I think that's exactly what so many authors do and small business owners, that they try something and if it didn't work after the first few times, they're like, this doesn't work. What else should I try? And that's one of the things about content marketing. It works, it's effective, but it takes time. It's a long-term game. So if you think about it, you probably didn't write your book in three days. You probably didn't write your book in 30 days and get everything perfectly exactly the way you wanted it. It was something that took time. And even before you started writing your book, you had to learn about all the things that you wrote your book about. So the process of getting your book out and getting it to a place where it was tangible and actually able to help someone, it took a period of time. And it's the same thing with content marketing, because like we said, I think a lot of people, they stop if it doesn't happen. They start seeing immediate results within three weeks, a month, two months, or maybe even six months. But the reality is the more you stick with it, the more you build up your body of work, it becomes a bit of a snowball effect over time to be able to get you what you're looking for. One of the examples I love to use is Seth Godin. He's an 18-time best-selling author. And a lot of people see that. They're quoting Seth Godin all the time. They see how well his blog post does, but he, he writes a blog post, publishes a new post every day, and he's done so for more than 10 years. But what many people don't know is that he was a book packager for 10 years prior to publishing any books of his own. And as a book packager, He published a new book every month for 10 years. So if you think about it, that's 120 books that he published going through this. And you think that over that 10-year period going through 120 books, he learned a thing or two about what it takes to be a best-selling author. It's not that he just published his, his one book on day one and everything happened. It was all the years of toil and learning what works, what didn't work, what the market responded to, a number of failures along the way that gave him the information that he needed to know what his audience wanted from him and how to succeed in a way that would make him stand out. So my if you're going to use content marketing, which I absolutely recommend that you do, stick with it, stick with it, stick with it, knowing that in time you will start to get the results that you are looking for as you continue to learn and adjust based upon what you're picking up and how your market is responding. Do you recommend weekly, monthly? How often should you be putting something out there? If you can swing putting out a new piece of original content once a week, that would be great. 
I think a lot of times people start very gung-ho. They go and they maybe they try and put something out every day or every three times a week, and then they fizzle out. The key thing is to find the systems that work for you that will support you in being able to put content out on a consistent and regular basis. So if you're not in the habit of pushing content out regularly, then maybe start with twice a month. But do that on a consistent basis until you get into a nice rhythm and a system. And then as you get better at it, as you get faster, maybe you move then to once a week. And then you find the rhythm that works best for your audience and for you to be able to put out high quality content. But you don't want to put out content so infrequently that the people that you are trying to reach, they might forget who you are or they might not be looking for you as much because early on, because the times in which you communicate isn't as often. Try and think about it as a relationship. Whenever you're connecting with somebody up front, you need a little bit more time for you to establish that connection and deepen the bond. Over time, if you talk to each other less frequently, that's okay because the that initial relationship, that connection is already there. But whenever you're just starting out, it's kind of difficult for that to happen. So you need to have a bit of consistency, especially in the beginning, to form those bonds that you need for to have an audience that will stick with you for the long term. You were talking about failures a moment ago, and I know that my listeners love hearing about mistakes, either that my guest makes or that they know that their clients have made or make. So what can you share with us? You mentioned uh, in my introduction that I'm an author and I am an author. What I did, I worked in my corporate job for Johnson and Johnson for nine years and I ended up writing my book while I was employed there. And then once I finished the manuscript for my book, that was my personal marker that I needed to give me the courage to leave. That was like, I said, okay, I'm ready. And so I, I quit the job. I published the book. And then nothing happened because I spent all my time and my energy focusing on getting the book done. I put zero time and energy in thinking about how to actually sell the book, <laughs> how to actually get any eyeballs on it. And I know this is something that you can appreciate and probably frustrates the heck out of you because the, you have to spend probably at least half the time thinking about, okay, what are you going to do to get the people to read your work that you spent all this time and energy toiling over trying to get just right? Because you want them to help. Like, you know, there's no reason to publish a book if you're not going to put into effort to actually get people to read it. So that was like a big fall flat on my face type of thing where I spent all this time working on getting this book out. And then was like, oh, now what? When it came to the marketing. But I like to say the book did serve its purpose because it was what I needed to leave a job and go and start my dream as being an entrepreneur. <laughs> it's funny you say that because you're absolutely right. I talk to authors and they put so much blood, sweat and tears into bringing that baby to life. And then once it's here, it's like, okay, what shall I do with it now? Yes. Let me give it to somebody else to market. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> You're right. the best person to market this book. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I read something somewhere where somebody said the best time 
to start marketing your book is three years before you publish it. And I think it's because and not everything doesn't have to be three years, but it just that helps you build your platform, build your audience, build a group of people who are interested and eager to hear from you. So that whenever it comes time for your book, of course, you still have some marketing work to do, but it becomes a little bit easier because you've already got a group of people who are interested in what you have to say versus having to go out and suddenly find people to pay attention to your work. It's interesting you say that because I have a colleague who once he had the cover of the book, he talked Mm -hmm. about it all the time. And it took several years before the book actually came out, but he was marketing the hell out of it because he had the cover and he could right. say, hey, you know, and he was teaching on the subject as well, but he just right. didn't have that body of work together yet, but he still marketed it. And so people were so keen and eager. It's like, tell me when the book's going to come out because I can't wait yeah. to have it. Yes. He's got an audience who is primed and ready. So that's a much better position to be in than having to say, hey, I got a new book out. So I know that another thing that you're really good at is creating emotional connections with your clients, with your customers. Talk to us more about that. Loyal customers is what everybody wants. These are the people who they buy your book, they come back to you again and again, they tell their friends about you. Let's say you have a bad day or you slip up here and there, which everyone does from time to time. They're likely to overlook it because they've got an emotional connection with you that transcends a transaction. Most people, most businesses view the way they interact with their customers very transactionally. Okay. You give me $10. I'm going to give you this book. Have a nice life. And whenever that happens, you have to work so hard for every person. Whereas if you were able to retain the people who are interested in what you have to say, not only does it save you money, but it helps you build up a community of people who are interested in coming back to you again and again and again to help them. But a lot of people struggle with how to do that, with how to build those relationships. And people connect with you on an emotional level that loyalty is built really in three ways. It comes through your people, your products, or your processes. So the people part of it is very easy. That's you. That's you. If you have a team of people that you work with, it's the, the team of people whenever they're able to connect with them on a deeper level. So for instance, whenever I go, there's this restaurant that I go to just about four blocks from where I live. I'm in there all the time, like all the time. I'm ashamed at how much I go in there, but the food is great. But it's kind of like I like to go in there because I like seeing my buddies who work there. I've developed a relationship with them. They know my name. I know their name. They know exactly what I want whenever I walk in. So that bond that we've created over a period of time is helpful. And it's what draws me and keeps me going back. That can be done online as well, where you talk about different experiences that you have, where you're sharing parts of your life. It doesn't mean that you have to become an open book and share every little thing that's going on with you. But as people get glimpses into your world and get used to hearing from you on a regular basis and learning more about you and your life, that's a way that you can create that emotional connection with them. The second way you can do that is through your products, specifically where you've got a product that speaks to them and is designed to show that the creator was very thoughtful and it's something that is integrated very well into your life. So let's stick with the food theme. I follow a gluten-free diet. So 
there are, there's another restaurant that I go to. This actually the same restaurant I go to. I go because the product is very important to me. The product actually got me in the door because the restaurant is entirely gluten-free. I can eat everything there. And that is an experience that I haven't had for years since I've had to adopt this gluten-free diet. Eating out kind of was a little bit of a chore because you have to pick and choose and figure out what can I eat, what can I not eat. So now whenever I go to this particular restaurant, I don't have to think about that at all. The product was designed exactly for me and mine. There are a lot, I can eat everything and it's delicious. It doesn't taste like it's gluten-free or anything's missing from it. So that product created an emotional connection with me as well. And the last thing is processes. And so let's stick with the food theme again, because food is great, right? And we all have to eat. So Chipotle in the US. I love, 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 love going to Chipotle. The food is good. Who doesn't love a good burrito? But what I love most about Chipotle is their commitment to not having GMOs in the food, to having sustainably raised, they harvest their food and they source it from local sources. And that is important to me to know of the quality of my food and to have a, a good idea of it. So the processes there are what connect me to that company and to that brand more. So as you're thinking about how to create those emotional connections with your customers. You don't have to have all three. You can start with one. Of course, the people is the easiest one to do. And it's the one because we all have people, at least ourselves in our business in a way to with our customers. So people, products, and processes are the way in which you develop that sense of loyalty and the way you transcend that transaction to create an experience and a feeling for your customers that makes them feel like, oh my goodness, this is exactly where I belong. How did you know that you created something that had designed just for me? And that's the way you want them to feel. And that's what will get them to stick to you like glue rather than running off to somebody else the minute they offer them a better deal. I love it. Sonia, if our listeners wanted to find out more about you and your services, how could they do that? They can reach me over at Try Business School, and that's the name of the business. It's The website is Try Biz, B-I-Z, School. And one of the things that I do is I work with entrepreneurs to help them build a simple content marketing strategy that puts their expertise on a stage where it belongs so they can stand out and attract the people that they want to reach and hopefully people who will buy their book for them whenever they're ready. Excellent. And if you were to leave our listeners with a golden nugget, what would that be? We need your goodness. We need what you offer to the world. So don't let any type of fear or feeling like an imposter or even frustration about not knowing a particular process prevent you from getting what you have to offer out into the world. So if you think about somebody is waiting for you to help them, somebody is waiting for you to give them the knowledge and the experience and the expertise that you have, somebody is waiting for you to help create a transformation in their life. So do whatever you need to do to make sure that you get what you have to offer in their hands because you have the power to make life better for them. Oh, that really speaks volume. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. And thank you all for taking time out of your precious day to listen to this interview. 
and I sincerely hope that it sparks some ideas you can use to sell more books. Here's wishing you much book marketing success. The time is now to take action and finally build your book selling empire. And the great news is that Susan is here to help you. Visit bookmarketingmentors.com and sign up for a free 15-minute book marketing strategy session with Susan. She'll help you discover your first steps to marketing and selling your book. Only those who take action are rewarded. So visit bookmarketingmentors.com and we'll see you again next week.